Welcome to the Filthy Spoon Waterfowl Podcast. I'm Robert, and we're going to do a special Memorial Day mini-sode today. Um, just due to the holiday weekend, uh, John Exotic and I had some scheduling conflicts, uh, so we decided to uh, go ahead and and just do a mini-sode uh, for this week. So, as always, I uh, want to take an opportunity to thank our sponsor, Superior Equipment Repair, your one-stop shop for all your light, medium, and heavy-duty diesel fleet and truck repair needs. Um, you can find them at superiorequipmentrepair.com, uh, or you can call them at 833-343-7351. So, um, like I said, this is going to be our first mini-sode, and it is um, appropriate that it's going to be on Memorial Day weekend or right before Memorial Day weekend, depending on when this uploads. Um, so very special uh, weekend in, in this country. Not only do we get to have a nice three-day weekend and uh, folks go out of town and party or go to the lake, whatever, whatever folks do, it's traditionally kind of the kickoff to the summertime season. Um, but, but the, you know, we don't want to forget the real meaning of Memorial Day, which is just to uh, recognize those who um, died in service to our country in war. Um, so I was doing some reading up on Memorial Day on uh, History History Channel, thehistory.com. And this says that uh, it actually started originally to honor those who... Um, passed away as part of the Civil War. So, um, of course, the Civil War was, um, you know, a major event in American history. Uh, everyone knew someone who was uh, in it, right? It's not like necessarily today where, you know, some folks might have uh, people in their family that are in the military or were in the military in recent years in their lifetime. And had uh, you know gone to war maybe, but you know, back then Civil War everyone had to right. So uh, that that was kind of the norm in in uh, history, just for humanity. They have wars, everyone goes. So uh, obviously Civil War being being between uh, fellow countrymen had some uh, different kind of emotions. So you know you could see where where folks really took that to heart and and really. Um, you know, wanted to make sure that they remembered the sacrifices made by those folks. So I think um, that was t traditionally celebrated in the springtime in May. Uh, you know, is when the flowers are bloom. Folks would go to the graveyards, put flowers on the graves, that type of thing. So after the Civil War, of course, you know, this isn't a history podcast, but it is on here. Um, you know, you guys know we had several other major, major conflicts. Uh, World War One was a major conflict worldwide, as the name implies. Um, Vietnam, Korea, World War Two, and uh, Global War on Terror currently. There's been some smaller conflicts in between those things. But um, so I guess for, for decades, Memorial Day was observed on May 30th. Um, that's the day that uh, 
a Civil War general had had selected what was called Decoration Day, kind of the first Memorial Day holiday. And then in 1968, Congress um, passed the Uniform Monday Holiday Act, went into effect in 1971. It made Memorial Day a um, holiday on the last Monday in May, and that was done to create those uh, three-day weekends that we all enjoy. So here we are today, uh, getting ready to celebrate Memorial Day. And so one thing I thought that was interesting, I was just curious as I was um, kind of putting together some some thoughts for this mini-sode, was what are the most dangerous jobs in the military? So according to military.com, uh, on this September 2015 article, hard to say how updated that is or not, but uh, the top 10 most dangerous jobs in the military, number one, pararescue. If you don't know what those are, those are these um, the airmen in the U.S. Air Force, they're special operators that basically, they're like a special operations ambulance service, right? Combat ambulance. They can go um, in by helicopter um, anywhere and and get get guys out of there um, in, in combat. So there was a great uh, movie that I'm going to have to look up here that I watched last year. Let's see, about a Medal of Honor recipient. What was it called? The Last Full Measure. So I saw it last year. It came out in 2019. Really good. Um, it's about the um, about a Medal of Honor recipient uh, and his actions in Vietnam. He was a pair rescueman. So that's the most dangerous job. Uh, the second most dangerous job, it would be special operations, according to this website. Uh, that probably goes without saying. Those are like your Navy SEALs, Green Berets. Uh, third, explosive ordnance disposal. So another one of those kind of obvious ones. Um, so those are like those guys that go in in the bomb suits and, and you know disarm bombs or they, they clear out unexploded ordnance. In the global war on terror, they did a lot of uh, work with IEDs. Number four would be uh, infantry. Five, cavalry. Six, artillery. Seven, medical. Eight, vehicle transportation. So I think, uh, again, going to global war on terror with like the IED threats, that was probably has a, a big thing to do with that. Um, Actually, yeah, the article says it does. So a lot of roadside bombs there. Aviation. Um, I think aviation is just... Uh, dangerous in general. And then artillery observers uh, are the last ones there. So those are folks that uh, that call in artillery. So they're usually embedded with, with infantry or just other kind of forward troops so these are um, they would make sense to make that list but yeah so if you're ever curious on what what the top 10 most dangerous jobs in the military are that is it but uh this memorial day i did want to also talk about a uh, famous air force sr-71 aviator who just recently passed away Saturday, May 20th, and that would be uh, Brian Scholl. So for those who who may be uh, into that or kind of stay uh, stay in tune with 
with the like military aviation community. He was very well known, very famous uh, in that community. He was SR-71 pilot, had uh, the famous speed check story. So where he uh, was flying and communicating, these other airplanes were communicating with the um, tower, the air traffic control tower, uh, the civilian aircraft. I think there was maybe a, a naval aviator too. I don't have the story in front of me. And they're all, you know, asking for their speed and, and start one-upping each other. Um until it gets to the SR-71, and then I don't know what his speed was, but it was, you know, well, you know, blew past anything that the rest of the the airplanes were, so he chimed in and, you know, got a speed check, and everyone just kind of went, whoa, (laughs) that's fast. So, um, but those, uh, so very, very well-known figure in the military community, Vietnam War hero. Amazing story, Brian. Um, he he was shot down in Vietnam flying a smaller smaller aircraft uh, with a I think he was with a Thai uh, pilot as well. So had been working with with the Thai military. Um, I think probably military advisor role. Some some reports I read online sounded like maybe he was doing some stuff with Air America, the CIA aviation program so um anyways he was he was shot down and he was um, basically barely survived had to evade the enemy until he could get rescued by special operators the next day Uh, left burn scars all over his body he was told he would never be able to fly again and he ended up um, you know persevering making recovery and then you know going on to fly the SR-71. He was also an initial A-10 pilot. That's a, um, a famous ground support um, aircraft, supports troops on the ground, and then um, you know, was able to actually do a full career in the Air Force after, after barely escaping with his life in Vietnam. So really incredible, inspiring story. He made a living. Um, well, I don't know if he made a living, but he, he enjoyed speaking so he did that after the air force after he retired he was he did speaking events and would go around the country um, talking about his story and just his military experiences he authored some books and he actually passed away in reno may 20th at a speaking event um, from what i heard and what you may have heard also it was right after he um, gave a speech he he actually passed away from cardiac arrest at the event on on stage is what it sounds like or or near it so uh, very sorry to hear about Brian's passing. Um, so I actually met Brian a few years ago, and it's sort of a funny story. So, um, you know, for those of you listening who might might lease blinds or be in a club, you know, one of the things I've talked about on this podcast before is that you know I love going and 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 scouting um, scouting the fields before I hunt. I like to just go see where the birds are at and doesn't I'm going to hunt no matter what but I want to see what they're doing kind of have some expectations you know sometimes you get really excited you go out there and and your you know your your fields are full of full of birds or they're grinding your fields and you know just pumps you up you 
get all stoked for the hunt the next day. But um, so I was out. I would go out um, either scouting or just getting blinds ready out in the D10 area, uh, that area north of Marysville. And a couple of days in a row, I saw Brian out there in his um, in his little uh, Toyota like Forerunner, and you know taking photographs. Very obvious, you know, had a camera, and and you know, there's a lot of bird watchers in the valley that I'm sure um, many of you have seen while you've been hunting during during waterfowl season. A lot of uh, birders or bird watchers will will be out doing photography or just observing and. You know, so I saw this guy out there with a the camera, and um, you know, occasionally I can be, uh, you know, try to be kind of friendly to people that you see on a regular basis. And he's the only guy in this particular area that I, I'd ever see, right? Just me and him. I'd be out there scouting or or working on blinds and um, driving by, and I'd see him. So you know, he waved or whatever. But one day I just pulled over and said, "Hey, you know." I see you out here all the time, you know, he's photographing birds, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, cool, you know, that's awesome, you know, we just started talking waterfowl, I said, yeah, you know, I, I like to come out here and scout before, before I hunt, I hunt, you know, right over there, and, and we we're just talking about some of the local birds, he uh, was telling me kind of what he's into as far as uh, bird photography, what birds he targets and everything, but I did notice that he had bird scars all over his body, but you know, that's not something that you're just going to ask someone, hey, what happened, right? It's like, well, you know, I don't know. Car wreck, there's all kinds of things that could, could cause that. But it definitely reminded me of, of some uh, you know, global war on terror veterans I knew that had, like, ID burns. So, um, anyways, so I, I had uh, over the, the next several months that I met him during that duck season, you know, several kind of roadside chats with them. Sometimes he'd wave me down when I was driving or, or I'd be, you know, I'd just pull over and say hi. And he would tell me all about the, um, like the, the birds he was after, especially the, so he liked waterfowl. He, he had did some waterfowl photography, but he was really after like the predators. And, um, there was one bird out there, the kestrel. That's one of our uh, smallest Falcon birds here in North America, very colorful um, bird. It's a it's a predator, little raptor, and I'd never you know I'd seen him out there, but I would never have been able to identify him before talking to him. I didn't know what those were, and um, I had no idea about his pilot background, but I should have known because he would refer to the kestrels. Um, I think this is a bird he referred to as like little fighter pilots one time in a conversation with me, and I I thought oh, that's an interesting way to describe to describe birds, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so one day he invited me to his art gallery in downtown Marysville and it was like a Saturday. He was going to have an open house. So he said, Oh, you should stop by, you know, check out my work. So I went to his art gallery and when I walked in, um, one of the first things that caught my eye was they had this little SR 71 display and it had like the pilot seat, a helmet, couple other things maybe a flight suit i don't know just some some stuff with like a um you know some photographs of of him and 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 really quickly i begin to realize who who this guy that i've been talking to on the side of the road was and and his story and i was like whoa i'm just blown away right that uh you know i've just been 
having these casual roadside bird conversations with this Vietnam War hero and well-known aviator, military aviator for for uh, for those last couple months. And so that was super just like uh, super humbling for me. I'm like, wow, I can't believe this guy just like, you know, he would share all this knowledge about um, these birds and, and what he was doing with the photography with me and just really friendly and, uh, and, and humble, right? He never, never dropped anything about his military service. Like, you know, any hints that, you know, I don't know, you know how guys are some people and, Sure, sometimes, you know, it's rightfully earned. Like, I mean, hey, if he wanted to drop those hints or or drop some, you know, stuff about all the people he's met throughout his speaking engagements, um, you know, he could do that, and rightfully so, but that's just not who he was. Um, you know, just very humble guy, and, and I just had no idea. So, so that was pretty cool. That was an interesting way um, to meet him. So everyone knows him as a famous military aviator, like I said, uh, shot down in Vietnam and and just was barely survived with his life, much less um, the ability to fly again and actually retire from the Air Force. Uh, flew some pretty iconic aircraft, such as the SR-71 and the A-10. And, um, you know, just one of the really really proud to have gotten to meet him i had uh had you know after i found out who he was you know had continued to have some good roadside conversations with him but i never uh never asked him about his his experiences because i was able to go on youtube and just listen to his talks which is pretty pretty good i figured that was probably the the best way to do it and, and we could just talk about uh talk about birds together when I saw them out there. So um, anyways, I wanted to just tell that story on this Memorial Day. Um, I hope everyone has a great uh, weekend if this gets published before Saturday, which I think think we'll be able to make that happen. Or I guess before Monday. So we should definitely be able to make that happen. And uh, be safe and, and just remember what the holiday's about. Um, you should definitely have a good time, right? I would like to think that these folks that that uh, fought and died for for the country in these these wars didn't do it so that we would have to be uh, you know sad on Memorial Day, but definitely definitely take the time to remember the fallen and, and have a great weekend, great safe weekend. So look forward to uh, doing this again soon with John Exotic. Uh, we should be able to make something happen very soon. We got some uh, new equipment, as you guys know. So I'm doing this episode on the old phone uh, method, but uh, we have some guest microphones. So we uh, have reached out to several people. We're starting to line up some schedules to get guests on. Um, and I think we're going to have a great, great summer talking, talking duck hunting and other stuff. And hopefully uh, we'll all be out in the field soon for doves in just a couple months. So, all right. Thank you very much.